This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. My message this morning is titled, Something About Grace. And first of all, we're going to look at some verses in Philippians in chapter 1. Philippians 1, 3 to 7. But just a, a quick bit of backstory on Philippians. If you want to look at it later, you can find it in the book of Acts chapter 16. And it's the story of when the church at Philippi was first planted by the Apostle Paul. So the account in Acts 16, um, verses 11 through to 40, is when Paul first went to Philippi, started a church there, and the actual letter to the Philippians is written a whole 10 years later. And so we are just going to read those verses in Philippians 1. It's verses 3 to 7 I'm reading from the English Standard Version um, for these verses because that's where the, the passage took just kind of caught my eye and um, this morning's message is out of that. It says there, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So Paul is talking about that first day 10 years ago until this opportunity to write this letter. And he's, and I know he's had maybe one opportunity. I'm not sure of any others of seeing those people again in, in that time in between. But he's still praying for them and he continues, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defence and confirmation of the gospel. And the phrase that really caught my eye where Paul is talking about these people that he he's sown into their lives, he's partnered with them, it's like there's been a two-way su- support over the years and he talks about them being partakers with him of grace, both in his imprisonment and in the defence and confirmation of the gospel. Now, if you've got the new living, it says, verse 7 of Philippians 1, as you share with me the special favour of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. So it just includes a bit more of a a definition of grace there as special favour of God because sometimes I think when we think about grace, it's something we hear a lot about and sometimes it's hard to put our finger on exactly what the definition of, of grace is. So I like the fact that sometimes the New Living just uses a different phrase here or there where where other translations just have the word grace. So we often hear grace defined as unmerited favour. Pretty much it's not what we deserve, but it's what we need. So just to distinguish between some terms that we might 
confused sometimes. Justice is being given what we deserve. Mercy is not being given what we deserve, whereas grace is being given what we need. So justice not being or sorry, justice being given what we deserve is pretty much like you commit the crime, you do the time. That's justice. We can understand that. Mercy, not being given what we deserve, is like you commit the crime, but you don't do the time, maybe because there's some kind of circumstance around your life and the judge goes, okay, I can see in this situation that maybe you've shown lots of remorse, whatever it might be, will let you off. And so that is mercy. Grace being given what we need is like that judge not only saying, well, there is a crime, there is a penalty, but I'm going to show mercy, but then also maybe he says, I'm going to make sure um, you come and live with me and I will make sure you get into the right circles, you get the right education support or you get the right support to get a job. Now that is grace. That's kind of beyond justice, beyond mercy. That is grace. And that phrase that we read in Philippians, being partakers of grace, the word partake, it's more than just taking and having. It's actually having a share. So it's not just where you think about taking for yourself, but it's a taking when you know that there's a share, a sharing in or a sharing of something, and you know that there's others sharing along with you. And even that picture of or definition of partaking, the, the taking part of that, I kind of picture grace not so much as something that we're taking out of because when you think about taking something, it's like once you take something, there's not as much left behind. So you get the picture that there's kind of less after you've taken out. But with grace, I feel it's more like the partaking is that we step into it and we all step into it and there's always enough. There's always more than enough. There's always an abundance. There's plenty for everyone. So being partakers of grace being part of, sharing with others, stepping into grace, grace that gives us not what we deserve but what we need. So the grace of God, we might say, well, if grace kind of doesn't give us what we need, like isn't God just? Where is the justice then? Like has God just done away with justice in giving us grace instead? But the grace of God actually meets those requirements of justice and of mercy because his grace is demonstrated in the redemptive work of Jesus. So Jesus met the need of justice. For our just God, there needed to be justice met. So we aren't just let off from what we should have really deserved. Jesus took that instead. So justice was met, mercy has been met, and grace is amazing. The grace of God, it's not so much just an attribute 
that God has. It's not so much as something about his character, but it's an activity of God, his grace, working in history, working in our lives, the saving grace of God. It was an action. His grace demonstrated through what Jesus did when he came and died on the cross. The grace of God is something that's so necessary for us because we're unable to save ourselves and really we are unworthy of being saved based on our life. When it comes to grace being an activity of God, we can't separate the grace of God from the work of Jesus and his work of salvation for us. Otherwise, it's not the full gospel. It's a false gospel if we try and have grace alone or the work of Jesus alone without grace. Blessing it is that we can all be partakers of his amazing grace. So something about grace today. First of all, it's him, not me. It's him, it's not you. If you'd like to have a look at Romans chapter 3 with me. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 to 24 says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. And then down to verse 27, it says, Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. And the reason that there is something to put our faith in is because of the grace of God. So it's all about him and what he has done. It's not about you and I when it comes to our salvation. But let's look also at 2 Corinthians and chapter 12 because grace doesn't just meet us at that point of salvation and provide a way for us to be reconciled to God. Grace, The grace of God is there for us at every step of our life. 2 Corinthians 12 and verses 7 to 10, the Apostle Paul, he says, Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from being proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So God's grace is sufficient for us. His grace is enough even when in ourselves we are weak. And in that passage that we read first in Philippians, Paul mentioned about his 
people that he loved in Philippi being partakers of grace with him in his imprisonment. And I thought that's interesting because he was the one who was in prison. He was in prison because of his faith, because he preached the gospel. The people at Philippi, they weren't in prison, but there's things in life that can imprison us. There's things in life that are outside our control, just as Paul found himself in prison and he could have said, well, that's it, like that's the end of my ministry. But he didn't let a prison dictate terms to him. He allowed the grace of God to work in that place and despite him not being able to change his situation, despite his circumstances being outside of his power, God's grace worked mightily in him through that imprisonment. And not only many churches in his day were blessed, but we are blessed now because he wrote a lot of his letters from prison. So in our life, we have different things that are out of our control. We mightn't see them as a prison, but there's things that we don't have power over in ourselves in our life, in our brokenness, in just being human, there's a question that humanity within us tends to resonate so much through life is, am I enough? But the grace of God changes that to he is enough. And that's, I'm sure, how Paul approached being imprisoned. He might have felt he wasn't enough. He couldn't get out of there, but God was enough even where he was at. God was enough to still do great things. And Paul writes the letter of Philippians, and it's full of joy, and yet he's in prison. So God was enough even in his circumstances. Grace helps us have a focus shift, not on those limiting things, but to how limitless God is. So the second thing about grace is it's about life, not license. Sometimes it can seem like the grace of God is just a free pass, free pass to go, oh, well, God's grace covers me for this or covers me for that, and that's okay. It can be something that we can use as an excuse for us to hold on to old habits and patterns of life even after we've received salvation. Romans 5 and verse 20. Let's look there and, and see just that relationship with, with grace ongoing in our life and grace's part in our life. Romans 5 verse 20 says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were, but as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So as we find out that there are things in our life that aren't right, the grace of God is more necessary and it is able to deal with every new thing that we find. But at the same time, let's turn over to Romans chapter 6. Verse 1 says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? That's a thought. Verse 15 kind of says the same thing, same question. This time it gives the answer. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. 
the reason that we don't go on sinning is because sin is part of our old life. Grace has given us a new life. Grace hasn't just given us a bit of a, a pat on the back and a free pass, but salvation through Christ gives us a whole new life and there's a better life, there's a better way. God has that better way for us. Grace's part is to give us the strength to walk in that better way. Romans chapter 8 and verse 12, let's look there. Romans 8.12 says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. And that's the aspect of grace that gives life, is that when we're new creations in Christ, there is that ability, that empowering in our lives to actually call on the grace of God, take that step into the grace of God and we don't have to just go, I can't, I can't do it because God enables us. We don't have to go, no, all this stuff that has been part of my life for so long, I can't get rid of it. No, the grace of God makes us a new creation and empowers us to be free of that, to have life, not just to have a license to, to continue those old things, but to have life, to have something better. The old in our life, the sin in our life, the things that that drag us down, that drag us away from God, they're, they're all related to death, related to dying, related to decay, related to destruction. They don't build us up. They don't put good. They don't put positive into our life. But walking in the life that God gives us, that, that gives us true life. That gives us abundant life. Max Licardo, well-known Christian author, said, The meaning of life, the wasted years of life, the poor choices of life, God answers the mess of life with one word, grace. And that grace enables us to live, live life, not with any kind of license. Also, not with the license to compare ourselves to others who are under grace as well. So there's two aspects to not having license. We all are able to just draw on the grace of God. Let's encourage one another to just know that we can freely do that and not have a license to compare and compare someone else's walk with ours. So Paul, writing to the Philippians, said that they were partakers of grace with him in defending the gospel. And I think a, a perfect way to defend the gospel is to live out the gospel, live out the work that God has done by grace in our lives, live as those trophies of grace, have those lifestyle choices that reflect his grace in our lives, there's opposition all around us. Just the culture of our day says, that's not how you live anymore. You don't live like that these days. That's, that's an old way to live. We've got a new way to live. But we defend the gospel by saying, look, I'm living in the grace that God has brought to my life and I'm living my best life because I am living in his grace. 
we can embrace his grace. We can defend the gospel as we live in his grace. The third thing about grace is that it's about standing, not striving. Know that in his grace, God planned our salvation before the foundation of the world even. He provided salvation through what Jesus did on the cross. His grace enables us to be saved and equips us. And so, yes, we can stand in that grace. We don't have to strive for it. Romans 5 and verse 2. Romans 5, 2, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. The New Living has defined grace in that passage as undeserved privilege. Another good definition of grace, but we could just say, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of grace where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We get to stand in the grace of God. In John chapter 1 and verse 16, this is back in the English Standard Version, it says, John 1, 16, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The New Living says one gracious blessing after another. But grace upon grace, just that idea that God's grace is continuing, it's inexhaustible like I was sharing before. We can partake of it, but it doesn't diminish. And it's also not interrupted, grace upon grace. There is nothing that can interrupt the grace of God, nothing that can be an obstacle to the grace of God. If we are looking for the grace of God, there's nothing that will stop it from being found by us. There's no boundaries, no limits to God's grace. Paul to the Philippians mentioned being a partaker of grace with them in confirming the gospel. And as we stand rather than strive, that's a great way to confirm the gospel. When we seem to be living like we have to earn what God has given us, that doesn't confirm the message of what Jesus has done. But as we stand in his grace and live in that grace, it's a life then that is built on Jesus. It's not built on what we've done. The Apostle Paul shares his own testimony of God's grace in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 and 9 to 10, Paul said, For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favour on me, and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. There's the confirmation of the gospel through the life of Paul. And he testified in a similar way in 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy 1 and verses 13 to 14, Paul said, Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence I persecuted his people, 
but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. His life was a great testimony, but he also encouraged the readers of his letter at Philippi that they were partakers of that same grace. And we read that letter now and we are encouraged as well that we are partakers of that same grace, a grace where it's about God and not us. It's about us being given and gifted life, a life that we can stand in, that we can embrace despite the limits that we might find around our life within those limits that are out of our control at times, we can still know the marvellous grace of God. We can still live a life that defends the gospel, confirms the gospel. I just was reminded of, of um, something I read recently that I felt to encourage someone here with today regarding the grace of God, and it was someone who'd grown up in the um, foster system where they'd, I'm not sure how many homes they'd lived in, but they didn't have that sense of belonging in those places and they weren't confident in those places that their needs would be supplied. And I think it's a habit common to kids in the foster care system. They used to um, take food, sneak food, and they would keep a stash in their bedroom. It was something that they found hard to break even when they came out of that, when they kind of aged out of that system. It was just that not having the confidence of knowing that their needs were supplied, not having the confidence of knowing that they were really loved and cared for and were someone who belonged. And I just want to encourage anyone here today who feels like they have to hang on to what feels like a little bit of God's grace in case it's not there for you tomorrow. I just want to encourage you that you are home in God's family. You belong in God's family. If you know the saving work of Christ in your life, you don't have to fear there not being enough for tomorrow. You don't have to fear. You don't have to think you have to kind of hang on to today's grace just in case because God's grace is inexhaustible towards us. He has that inexhaustible supply that we can be partakers of. We're going to come around the communion table now if we could have the emblems handed out, please. So as we come to communion now, as a follow-on from just hearing about Hearing something about grace, it's just something. There's more about grace than what I shared today, but we've heard something about grace today and the fact that we can partake of the grace of God. As we come around communion now, we're going to celebrate the grace of God. God's grace, there's never a shortage of his grace. We don't need to worry that we're kind of claiming more than our fair share you can't overindulge the grace of God. God's grace is available to us to choose, to receive, to walk in at 
any moment, every moment, regardless of what others might say or be doing around us, regardless of our circumstances. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Our God is full of grace. There is a boldness that we can come to him with. We won't arrive there and not find grace, but we will find exactly what we need. But as we share communion this morning, we're not just partaking of the grace of God, we're partaking of Jesus' broken body and his shed blood. In this place today, we're going to take a piece of biscuit and a little cup of juice, but it's what they represent that is so powerful that we're remembering again what Jesus did for us. We're remembering again the time that we first had any idea about the grace of God and, and we knew that Jesus' broken body, his shed blood, had done an amazing miracle for us that we needed. We needed what Jesus had done for us. We partake of that. We partake of, of Jesus' broken body and shed blood in our situation today, however far along that is from when we first understood his grace in any measure. It's always unfolding his grace. There's always something new to appreciate regarding the grace of God. And today we get to appreciate his grace afresh. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that because of God's amazing grace that you demonstrated that grace by fulfilling the plan of salvation, by making a way for us to just receive what we deserve or, or receive God's mercy or pity, but, but to know your amazing grace toward us, that you would sacrifice your body for our sake so that we could know wholeness, so that we could know life. We just thank you for that. We celebrate again. We celebrate again the grace that, that was in you before the world began, that grace that we encountered when we first understood the cross and what Jesus, you have done for us, and that grace that we encounter again today. God, we just thank you for Jesus' broken body, that we can have wholeness by the grace of God today in Jesus' name. Let's eat. Jesus, we just thank you for your blood shed for us. We thank you that your sacrifice in our place just fulfilled the righteous requirements of a just and righteous and holy God. Jesus, we can't thank you ever enough for what you've done for us. So we just thank you again. We celebrate again your great grace. We just thank you, Jesus, for your blood that, that is so powerful to wash away every sin that would keep us from knowing that awesome grace of God. We just thank you for life that we have in you. Thank you that we partake of your grace, but we partake of this biscuit and this juice 
representing your broken body and blood. Thank you that there is an ongoing work of your saving power in our lives, just as there is an ongoing work of your grace to go hand in hand. And we celebrate that and we thank you in your wonderful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.